Hey guys, welcome to the Hidden Spoons podcast. I'm your host, Tim. And I'm your co-host, Ishmael. And today we talked to Moeed Majid, and he's over out in the UK, and it was a really great conversation. Excited for you guys to listen to it. Uh, Moeed's journey was also really unique. Um, we talked about his, how, he, how he kind of pursued his passion and figured out his journey where he wants to be at. He's now currently working involved with Vice UK. Super exciting stuff. We also talked to Moeed a lot about how positivity and humor plays a big role in his journey and how he worked his way through his illness, through staying positive. It was really inspiring. Yeah, it's uh, really hard to summarize. Moeed, he's a kind of has a hat, wears a lot of hats, does a lot of things. So like dive into the podcast, uh, have a listen and enjoy. Welcome to the Hidden Spoons podcast. Today we're hanging out with our man Moeed. Uh, Moeed's from the UK. Uh, he's living with Crohn's disease. Uh, you know, and you know, Moeed, you're an interesting dude. We spent the entire morning creeping your Instagram account, <laughs> trying to figure out what you're all about. Like, there's a lot of things going. On. You're, you're a huge mental health advocate, uh, Crohn's and colitis advocate. You have your own podcast. Uh, you work for mm-hmm. Vice News UK. You got excellent style. Your banter, your banter is <laughs> top notch. We've been. I just like to hear your voice in person. Love it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're pumped to have you as our guest, and we're super excited to hear what you're all about and just kind of chat, hang out, vibe. <laughs> Thank you for that, Tim. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, I'm very, I'm very honored to be invited by you guys to come on your podcast, the Hidden Spoons podcast. Uh, yeah, as you said, you know, I just make podcasts. I've been doing it for a year now with Vice. Um, I've taken a couple of weeks off in between the lockdowns in the UK. Uh, and now I am like on the start, the slow search to my next venture, uh, potentially something remote so I can like live abroad in the sun or something, mm-hmm. because sometimes the weather in London can get slightly taxing and that's on top of the tax we already pay. So, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, a bit too much. But no, yeah, no, go for the Instagram. man. <laughs> There's some funny stuff on my gram, man. Like uh, I'm a bit of a clown, but it is what it is, man. That's how I deal with things. That's how I deal with the situation I'm in. And. Uh, like you said, I have Crohn's disease. I live with a stoma bag, and uh, it has been a crazy journey getting to where I am today. And I'm looking forward to like uh, talking to you guys about what you guys are with, what you guys are going through, as well as sharing my experiences and uh, seeing where we go from there. So I think one thing that we'd love to start off talking about is, I mean, you're a super positive guy. So no matter what you're discussing, I feel like there's always an underlying tone of positivity and how to find positivity. So I think it'd be interesting to hear from you in your own experiences, especially with IBD and with Crohn's, what are some ways that you've stayed positive? Obviously, humor is a big one, and we really appreciate that. But yeah, what else, what else do you have going on? Well, first of all, yeah, thank you. I'm glad you like, it's kind of evident that I'm trying to remain like as positive as possible. Don't get me wrong, we're humans, we go through an emotional roller coaster. It's impossible to be positive all the time and you know I've been in a space where I've been in like a never-ending negative circle and it plays on your mind you're like am I ever gonna get out but the main thing I kind of told myself and I reinforced in my mind that is you know it's just a phase and you will get through it and uh, I appreciate and I understand when there are like slightly testing times because I know it's just like the circle of life you know what I'm saying like Lion King I know it's just part and parcel of what we go through as humans um so when it happens I'm kind of prepared a little bit because I'm like okay cool this is just one of those things that this is one of those weeks or one of those months where you know things aren't going as I want them to go mm-hmm. but I understand that you know you just got to work through that and get to the other the other side and that's kind of like something I, I kind of like 
I'm maintaining my own mind. I try and tell other people. Obviously, um, as you mentioned, humor. I just don't take myself too seriously, man. I'm just like, you know, I just kind of have fun, do what I want, crack some jokes. Um, I think if you take yourself too seriously, um, you're just putting unnecessary pressure on yourself, man. And and for me personally, I'm just myself, man. I'm unapologetically myself. So no matter what situation I go into, whether it be, you know, chilling with the queen or like with the homeboys, I would always act. <laughs> I would always act the same, you know, um, and that kind of like is testament to me without bigging myself up because I'm quite respectful, you know, I'll always like assess the situation where I'm in. Obviously, if I'm with the Queen, I ain't going to drop too many jokes, but um, <laughs> but yeah, as in, I'm just me, you know, and, and I've, I've come to terms with the situation I'm in and I appreciate the situation I'm in and I understand and I've adapted to what I have to do in order to kind of live the life that I want to live. It wasn't the same when I first got diagnosed, of course not, because you're a lost guy, you know, you're a lost person, you're a lost woman, child, whatever you are, because you don't know what, what to expect. You know, you've, you've been like burdened or like suddenly told you have this thing that there is no cure for. And um, you're like, right, okay, what the hell do I do now then? You know, like what's, what's next? And for me personally, it was like a year of denial I did. I was like, nah, this is some joke thing, man. This is not real. Ever, obviously, I got much worse, and then I was like, okay, cool, fine. Maybe I should like just reel it in a bit and just like figure out what's good for me. And I was 19 when I was diagnosed. I was 10 years ago, bro. That is a mad decade, you know. God damn. <laughs> um, so I was diagnosed 10 years ago. I'm 29 now. But at 19, you know, I had I was in my second year of university. I thought I was a little social dude. I thought I was a little cool dude, meeting with all these people, you know, all these, trying to do all these, like, having all these aspirations, you know, having that, like, mindset of, like, a 19-year-old, like, you can just achieve anything you want in life, you know, it's possible. And then, obviously, you get hit with this, like, ton of bricks, and you're like, right, okay, that's, that's, that's not going to happen anymore. And uh, it was difficult for about, I think, four or five years, you know, it was just like one thing after another thing after another thing, you know, it was just, okay, there is I, there is no cure. What do I do next? Do I, can I still eat fried food? You know, man, I love my little KFC thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> obviously that, that was not going to happen, but not without me trying multiple times before realizing, right, okay, the pain is not worth the food. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, it was just like a, a time of adaptation and, um, you know, thankfully, I've managed to adapt, and uh, again, like I said, just appreciate the the what the, the situation I'm in. So, and there's a bunch of things that you're currently working on as well that we kind of, you know, after we were looking through your Instagram, we kind of came across. So, most recent one being unhidden clothing, and so what's what's that about? So, unhidden clothing is run by the wonderful Victoria. Um, she is a I don't want to get this wrong, you know. She is kind of like a fashion. She like, works like in the behind the scenes of fashion, basically. So she like in the whole production of a garment and like behind the whole like technical side of clothing, from my understanding. And I I can't remember how we connected, but we connected on Instagram. I think they were looking for people for a shoot, and I was like, I've got a stoma. I literally said, I've got a stoma, and I put like the little eyes, <laughs> you know, that two eyes that look yeah, like. Yeah. And then she. she yeah, yeah, she shouted me back. Um, and then I did a little shoot for them. Obviously, as I do, I just go there, crack some jokes, make, you know, have a laugh. If you see some of, see some of these outtakes of the photos, they are ridiculous, man. I'm out there just like, doing karate kicks and stuff. <laughs> but um, we, we took some photos. So basically, in essence, that line, Unhidden Clothing, is an adaptive clothing line that takes into consideration people who may be living with like a pick line 
or with a stoma bag or in a wheelchair and obviously normal clothing which is like super rigid and like cardboard and you have to be like a stick to actually put it on uh are not suitable for some most people you know like who actually looks like a person in the billboard Mm -hmm. um nobody uh because i used to work in fashion and i've edited a fair few of my photos myself (laughs) trust me you you don't look like that so um i think it's just like like find um reaching out to people who may sometimes feel a bit left out or like find it more difficult to uh get clothes that are suited for them and um credit to them when i try those trousers on i don't like suit trousers in it i will i wear track suits and if worse comes to worse i wear like jeans mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah i don't like tight stuff but these were like really smart trousers she designed and they had like an elasticated waist and they were so comfortable and so um that was why i was really intrigued in like getting involved because i wanted to kind of show people or whoever's out there like you know th- there are people thinking about us or about you and uh and it's awesome that someone you know, has taken the plunge and put all their life's work and money into like doing something like this and i did it for free of course i was like come man i saw a good cause i'll just come through take a couple pics man it'll be a vibe get to meet new people as well and it's always nice to connect with people and like and just be nice you know if you're nice to someone she could become like a millionaire overnight she'd be like oh you are nice to me here's 10 grand <laughs> i like it i like that mindset <laughs> do you know what i'm saying like it's just obviously i don't expect that but as in i just try and be nice to people and it obviously it's got a really good reception uh they had their launch on friday of the website and uh, I think it's just slowly like progressing now and like getting the word out there. So yeah, man, big up to Victoria on Hidden Clothing. If you haven't checked out, definitely have a look um, because it is, um, yeah, like I said, very, very cool stuff. It's so interesting to see like stuff like that and people that are now creating um, things for people with stomas or with pick lines. And because I'm sure like you've had Crohn's now for 10 years. So you probably saw that like that stuff probably didn't exist 10 years ago even when you were first diagnosed, like this is fairly new, like Mm -hmm. to see people creating things that are accommodating to stomas and, um, you know, especially in like the fashion sense, things that are comfortable, fashionable, you know. Oh no, agreed man. I think it comes hand in hand with like better technology and better like science basically, because obviously when I was diagnosed, it was, yeah, 10 years ago, but having done my own research, I've been having symptoms since I was like 10 years old. So I've actually had it for like 20 years. Mm Um, but I was only diagnosed 10 years ago. So I think the diagnosis process is like a lot better now. People tend to go like straight towards like testing for like IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, rather than like beating around the bush and like trying to diagnose people for something they don't have. Um, So I think people take it a lot more seriously now, I think. Um, And which is just such a big burden of the person as well. You know, you're going through something that is so like, makes you feel so vulnerable, you know? Um, And it's just so... um, invasive you know living with something like this and so you kind of just want to hit the nail on the head as soon as possible so thankfully now you know i've still heard a few horror stories of people saying oh it's just ibs or it's just Mm -hmm. this or it's just a stomach bug or food poisoning and unfortunately no you know the the system isn't perfect uh however i think they're definitely working towards um you know rectifying that and so your point uh was about the clothing on people like focusing more on that i think again that comes hand in hand with like more people actually knowing about it and like being aware of this and i think there's a lot more people on social media who like comment a lot about it and are advocates for it and work alongside companies which i think is amazing i wouldn't say i'm one of them because 
um i do post every now and again about my stoma but i'm so focused on like what i want to do and it doesn't involve anything to do with my mm-hmm. stoma like my stoma is not the definition of me and i respect people who do that and who post every day about it but i would literally just bore myself to death if i posted every day about my stoma and about like stuff i go through mm-hmm. um i respect some people need it um like i made youtube videos a while ago um about my whole process of my surgery and like i still get messages to this day about people who what from people who watch them and i think that's my bit done you know if anyone asks me like for example you guys approach me i'm down bro i'm down to chat man as you can tell i can't yeah. stop so um you know i'm always happy to talk to people and like have a vibe like you said tim you know just crack some jokes you know again going down to social media and people raising awareness and having this outlet that they never what 10 years ago was didn't exist you know yeah. Who were you were just chatting to yourself or like MS sending your schoolmates? Right? Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like Bebo high five and yeah. all that, bro. So it's um, <laughs> I think out if you know, there's there's plenty of pros and cons to social media, but definitely one of the pros is like being able to share your story. And I think a lot of people have gained confidence from seeing people like you, uh, it's more like sharing your story and all the stuff you do and like a few things I do and all the other people you know we, we're in a similar community on, on social mm-hmm. media so people have, have managed to come out of this shell and uh, I think that's an amazing thing so uh, it's it's so interesting to think about the role social media plays in our lives these days because there's so many negatives to social media yet there's if you use it in the right way in the right format there it can help you in so many different ways and that's kind of how I came across it too and I see how how impactful it is for so many other people and you may think that you're not really sharing that much but even the things that you share are very valuable when it comes to your, your stoma and your illness like you're sharing you know the like the meat and the bones like the important parts of your journey which is really valuable to so many other people and I'm sure a lot of like listeners and people would agree with me that what you have been sharing about your journey is you can't be recreated it's nothing that you're going to get from a doctor it's no information you're going to get when you're out there after you've been newly diagnosed so like the resources you've created are really important the art of conversation is kind of lost so it's nice to be able to have this face-to-face and actually talk and um hear your perspectives on it because the main thing that we're wanting to do with this podcast too is uncover what it's like for men because like there's so many men that are aren't comfortable to share that vulnerability or share the you know the hard parts and the things that were a little bit more difficult or even to go see the doctors when they need to so like we're wanting to break those barriers and let everybody know it's okay to not be okay essentially so for me when I was first diagnosed I wasn't a big sharer of being like a personal advocate but I still went online like mm-hmm. I met Ismail like on Instagram when I was mm-hmm. living in a different province in Canada because I was just looking for some answers and he's posting stuff then we connected now we know each other and now we're yeah, now, we're, now we're living in the same city, like eight minutes away, and now we're buds. So, but you know, Ismail's a really big, uh, like public advocate. Has these different blogs, channels, very big outreach, and I've you know started to get a little bit into that. But I've always been a little bit more, uh, I guess you could say, reserved in that sense. But I still want to access the community. I still just as badly want people yeah. to advocate and be known about it. And I feel, I just think it's great. How we all those different little different roles we play, but we still boost mm-hmm. each other up and. All that yeah i was gonna say i appreciate you saying that because it kind of like makes sense you know not everyone can be the person that just hey yeah. you know there's like <laughs> yeah. you know just like just like a production on tv or radio or whatever there's like different layers to it and oh, everyone yeah. plays their role to the success of that thing so thank you for breaking that down tim and uh, what were you saying you got diagnosed what you have crohn's as well i have a i have ulcerative colitis yeah i was diagnosed nice. in my in my last year of my undergrad college 
Okay. And it's similar to you. Like I definitely have had it looking back for like longer than that, but that was just kind of when I was diagnosed and kind of in denial a little bit. I was really focused on same similar, like my goals, my aspirations. I was like, ah, I'm not gonna let this thing get in the way. But then, you know, you mm-hmm. can't. Uh, you're only human. <laughs> eventually, yeah, yeah. eventually, it catches up with you, and you have to really buckle down and be like, okay, well, what does my body need? How do I? I have to spend more time with this and really give myself the time to rest and let medications do their thing and kind of just inwardly focus on your own health. And it's a weird, weird transition when you're in that point in your life where you're so focused on your own goals and aspirations and where you want to be. You have to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, well, where am I at right now? How am I going to deal with this? Mm, I think it's really important. Sorry. I think it's really important also to acknowledge the fact that when everybody is on, on their own path and their own journey too. So like they, everybody comes to that realization on their own, like you did and, you know, Moeed, you did to realize, okay, like now I've got to accept this. And by accepting it doesn't, a lot of people, sometimes a lot of men especially can see it as they're being defeated by the illness. When in reality, accepting the fact that you have it and what your body's going through doesn't necessarily mean that you're succumbing to it. It means that you are now opening the door to it, in fact, rather than closing a door. And I think that's where, a lot of men especially can get caught up is that you know all of us have egos and we can struggle to fight with that and just feeling like we're fighting it rather than you know accepting it that's like the biggest thing is like you don't need to you it's not defining you it's just something you have it's not something you are no i agree man i definitely think coming to terms is a massive victory mm-hmm. rather than actually a defeat you know what i'm saying because you're accepting it and you're like, okay, cool. Now I'm moving forward rather than like, you're using it as like a barrier to stop yourself progressing. Like you're actually kind of feeling a bit sorry for yourself, you know, when you, and again, it goes back to being stuck in that cycle. Like as soon as you sit down and you have that frank conversation with yourself, I'm sure we've all been through it with multiple things in our lives, let alone, you know, the condition we live with. Like if I sit there and you're like, okay, cool. I remember mine specifically, I was in a hospital, but I was like, oh, okay, cool. Do I want to live like this? no, Am I happy right now? No. Are things going how they want to? I want them to go, no. Okay, cool. What do I do to make all those a yes, you know? And so it's just like making these small changes. And again, you should never think that these things are going to just, you know, it's not a movie. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, you're not going to snap your fingers and things are going to change instantly. It's a process. And uh, as long as you're taking, like, I always say, as long as you're taking a little baby steps every day, you know, you're taking, you're making a small action on a day-to-day basis, you know, the compound effect after a year is going to be fast, you know what I'm saying? Like, from January the 1st to December 31st, if you're doing something small every day, you know, it's going to be a massive, you're going to feel so much different, you know, come the next year. Um, and I put it into the kind of a comparison, I use like push-ups. If you do like one push-up today and two tomorrow and three the day after, and then the year you got 365, that's 365 more you had at the start of the year, you know? So yeah. it's just like a, these small incremental changes. And, you know, for me, it started off with like diet and then like lifestyle and stuff like that. I'm a bit, I'm a big advocate for diet. I know there's a lot of people I disagree with in like the whole IBD system. Like I'm not afraid to disagree with people. Like a lot of people kind of dismiss the whole like diet thing. And for me, it's a, plays a massive role. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, if you watch what you eat, um, it can definitely help with like lifestyle and like dealing with your symptoms. I'm not saying anything's going to cure anything, but I'm saying it would definitely help with symptoms and like how you feel. And I was a bit of a skeptic at first, but but, you know, I did it and I was like, oh, I feel so much better now. One plus one equals two, you know, yeah. uh, it just makes sense. So, um, yeah, for me, I just like, I made these small changes. Um, 
having my stoma surgery now, I've kind of like relaxed a little bit. I've probably relaxed a bit too much. I'm eating whatever I want. I'm going to bed late. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Like I'm just, I'm sleeping loads and I'm sleeping little. Like it's nuts, man. It's nuts. I'm getting too relaxed now. I'm getting too, too relaxed. I'm getting a bit lackadaisical. Going back to diet, what you were talking about, how did you start looking into your diet? Were you working with a dietitian? Were you doing like an elimination diet? How did you get onto that journey and how did how how did it work for you how did it pan out uh first of all i kept a food diary which helped a lot um kind of like you said the whole trial and everything i had to test what was good for me and what made me feel feel bad and this is right at the start so i have a better idea i know kind of what foods are good for me and what food are bad for me and the frustrating thing with ibd is that what's good for me might be bad for you and what's bad for you might be great for you and like mm-hmm. it's not like something that's interchangeable which was probably the hardest thing for me throughout this whole thing i wasn't able to like use someone else's experience as a blueprint mm-hmm. because boy when i was reading some of these blogs i was like right you man eat this stuff and you're calm if i ate that fam it's a lock off <laughs> so um I was like, yeah, okay, fine. That is probably the most frustrating thing. You have to do some sort of trial and error on yourself, like lab test yourself. Um, but ultimately, like, it will be worth it, you know. Um, it might take a year, for example, but what's a year in the grand scheme of things? It's not very long, you know. Um, so I did a bit of a food diary. I did some testing on myself. Not like testing, meaning I just ate foods and wrote down how I felt like mm-hmm. later uh, and see, like, how I, how it affected my, like, my bathroom experience let's just put it like that um so i did do that and then i you know i figured out you know that before my surgery you know wheat and gluten made me very bloated and very uncomfortable so i kind of eliminated that and then dairy as well wasn't the best even people wouldn't like perfectly you know functioning uh digestive Mm -hmm. systems dairy will mash you up you know so um it's not always the most natural Even thing for us to be having either. So, like, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in it. And I love cheese. I love cheese. I'm not going to stop eating cheese. But I mean, you know, like, it's not good for you. But yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, the main thing is like you're doing. You're not harming yourself. You eat cheese every now and again, man. It ain't gonna harm you. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, it's just down to you. So, find what's good for you. Foods are good for you. Um, and. Like ultimately, no matter how little I want to talk about my condition, it always comes up in conversation because yeah. they always ask me what university I go to. And I'm like, well, I dropped out. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, why did you drop out? Yeah. Well, I've got this thing called prosies. <laughs> and so like, it, like I've come to, I've got my little script. I always say, do you know what I'm saying? In the back of my mind, yeah. I'm sure you guys have the same way. It inevitably will come up in conversation. And then nowadays, most people are like, oh, wow, my dad has that. Or yeah. I know someone who's got that because... Yeah. Again, it goes back to the awareness and so many people knowing what it is, which is fantastic. And then, and the, but sometimes their faces change because they're like, "Raw, you know, I've seen my friend go through some hell. Like, are you mm-hmm. okay?" But you have to just like reassure them, "Yo, I'm chilling, man. I'm alright for now. Thankfully, touch wood." Yeah. Um, and uh, let's just keep that going, you know. Going back to something you were talking about, like we're both South from the South Asian community, so like food is a huge part in our culture, and. I also don't eat gluten. I avoid like beans and chickpeas and like, you know, lentils and things like that. And with my family, it's like, they'll be like, oh, I made this for you. I only put a little bit of flour in it though. So it should be okay. And I'm like, a little bit of flour is still not gluten free. Like, you know, so there's always that process. And like culturally, I know another thing that we've, 
kind of talked about and I've Tim and I were t discussing and I've talked about in different interviews that I've done too is people ask me you know so culturally things like mental health and things like that aren't as prevalent or like discussed as openly in in my culture so did you find that it was a little bit harder for you Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Definitely, it wasn't something I was aware of and I had to, I wasn't clued up on, you know. I didn't know. Who knows what mental health is? Mm -hmm. I think that's something that's really come into fruition over the past five years, maybe six years, come a bit of a trend as well sometimes, people mm -hmm. can say. And, uh, like, one of the adjectives my nurses used for me when I was first diagnosed was stoic, mm -hmm. which is probably not a good thing, and which means basically you just, like, kind of keep it all within, you know? A little numb. Not too... Yeah, yeah a little numb yeah. to it. It's like, cool, shrug your shoulders, think you're a cool dude, get out of the hospital, do what you've got to do, get out, go home. Now, obviously, I'm very... I'm, I'm happy. I'm an emotional guy, bro. I'm a very emotional guy, you know? Like, I cry when I watch movies. If I see something emotional, I will... I'll get involved. If I see someone like fighting on the street, I'll try to break it up. Super important. Yeah. So like I tend to like ask people how they feel. I think it's important people share how they uh, share how they feel, what they're going through. I use an analogy of the Mentos and the Coke bottle. Mm. Um, you don't want it to blow. Do you know what I'm saying? Because if you keep all that stuff cooped up, it is definitely not healthy, man. So I definitely talk about my emotions. I talk about how I feel, whether it be to myself and I understanding what I'm going through mm -hmm. and how I feel. Talking about how you feel is super important. You're not less of a man if you mm -hmm. share how you feel, you know. Um, you should never feel like emasculated about talking how you feel because we've been programmed to think of this stupid social constructs construct mm -hmm. that men are these macho people that have to like hide how they feel. They go, they're the bread earners. Brav man, women earn more than you now, man. Relax, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like the, the, the roles have reversed, the tables have turned, and there's not something to be ashamed about, you know. Like I said, I'm very, I'm very in touch an understanding of like my mental health and how I feel emotionally. Mm -hmm. Again, this is probably something that that stoic adjective that was once used for me probably doesn't isn't applicable mm -hmm. in most contexts anymore. If you're not healthy up here, forget about everything else. Yeah. Forget about it, man. You could be as healthy physically as you want. If you're not healthy up here, lack off, man. Game over. So yeah. um yeah man, you really gotta really gotta look after your mental health. Yeah, love all those points there, especially just the idea of you know, internally kind of reevaluating and taking the time to evaluate where you're at individually. And I think it's even huge to say, you know, when you were first kind of going through your diagnosis, dealing with it, you know, you were described, people described you as stoic and you mm -hmm. registered that and you're able to now, years later, reflect on that adjective for yourself and have enough clarity through your reflection, sitting with your emotions to be like, I'm not that guy anymore. I've changed. I don't think too many people can really say that they like take the time to really look back and see how they change and kind of plan out who they want to be and make those little adjustments because it's can be uncomfortable and it's a really big task but i think it's so rewarding and you're a perfect example of like that journey fighting to kind of mm -hmm. be who you want to be and you showing people you have the power to create your own environment to really bring your own goals and you should you can be happy you can make those adjustments you can have those hard conversations and i feel going back to our initial points about how powerful this ibd community is and how it's really there just to lift you up and bring you like empower you to be be yourself i mean diet super unique mm -hmm. individual talking about your own unique experience with a very variable disease again unique individual your own person and just reaching out to this community is only going to give you support to pursue your own best interests and is not something that we look to oh how can you like conform to like be mm -hmm. this type of individual with ibd or crohn's whatever and just kind of 
everyone's on their own journey, but this community is like you said, like so gracious, everyone wants to support everybody and just, Mm -hmm. you really have to find your own flavors to your own journey and you can get there just in different ways, but everyone wants to see you do it. And I think, yeah, like to Tim's point to what you've talked about as well is like the thing that some, some of us that we're trying to do on social media is we're trying to live our truth, uh, whatever that may be. Like we're trying to portray that energy that we have and we're wanting people to, because an energy is infectious, you know, whether it's positive or negative, it's a hundred percent infectious. And that's what we're wanting people to do. I'm not, I would never want someone to be like, oh, I need to do it exactly how he's done it. Because at the end of the day, we're such complex individuals down to our bodies, to our brains, to our minds, to our hearts, to our guts. Everything is so complex that it's impossible for anybody to just follow another individual's journey and expect to have the same results. There's no way, like, of course, I'm sure it happens, but there's no way that I can expect like what works for me works for Tim works for you. Like we're all three people with similar illnesses yet we've had completely different journeys and there's going to be overlap. It's like a Venn diagram where there's going to be that overlap of like the emotions and the experiences that we all have. But at the end of the day, what we're wanting people to feed off of is our energy, not off of our experiences. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what the most important thing that we want to, get across and with the guests that we have like yourself or the topics that we choose to discuss is trying to teach everybody to embody that energy rather than embody your experiences now beautifully put bro beautifully put even now just talking about this bruv you man are in canada and i'm speaking to you right now how crazy is that you know what i'm saying like it is nuts it is nuts like a couple years ago this was not even possible and here we are i have a question for both of you guys so Obviously, like everybody finds positivity in their own way. And for some people, like our past guests that we've had, some of them, it's been through music. Music's played a big role in them finding positivity or cooking. So what, for both of you guys, is something that's helped you find positivity through this journey? So for me, my experience with colitis, to find positivity really, I guess my theme has been really helped me really helped me slow down and really got me into like I never you know kept journals before or written anything down and everyone's different in what they're comfortable doing but I was really like I was never a strong writer I could never even spell like I have the worst spelling <laughs> my printing sucks it's embarrassing to read but when I found that I, I started getting really sick and I had nothing to do all day because I just be like in bed indefinitely right I started to just um and you, there's so much there's so much stuff out there to read and I'm like I'd be reading all these articles I'd read all these post like on youtube and just type in like alan watts inspirational speeches Mm. and i just be like god like the stuff feels good in the moment but it's just not sticking for me like why is it not making me feel like long term Mm -hmm. better about myself and for me i had to start journaling i got i spent a year really intensively journeying journaling throughout my my crohn's class journey just what's happening this week and all these mundane things throughout the day i was feeling and as i the journal grew I could sit back and read it and be like, wow, like I've gone through some stuff and it's mm-hmm. here. I remember Like I still have, and I, it was interesting for me because that was when I was going through my biggest flare up being in the hospital for a month. And I can, I, there's pages in this journal that I kept for that year. That's like, Oh, like trying this new med, like can't really think good. And my writing's all scratchy cause I can't focus well. Mm-hmm. And this is day, whatever. Like, I wonder what's going to happen. Going to stay positive though. I think so. I'm, I think I'm going to get through this. And then, you know, a month later it's like, Oh, like this other thing worked. I'm feeling better. And, being able to like document my own personal internal dialogue mm-hmm. was so eye-opening for me about kind of that self-realization and 
really how powerful like you don't you don't necessarily even need to find something out there that's going to mm-hmm. fix you or going to help you like you can be that for yourself and just having those supports to lean on but also having the confidence to really dig deep in myself and be like, okay what am i feeling let me put some words to this some mm-hmm. thoughts to this so i can put it away revisit it and that's why i revisit when i'm feeling really in the dumps like dark mm-hmm. place i just be like look what i've got through like i've had these feelings before and look i ended up in a better spot so mm-hmm. that's that was kind of this unique little habit I built from my illness that I'm really thankful for that thing's going to carry on a lot and help me in life and keep helping me. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at. So I think the main thing for me or the main kind of like that moment I had is when I started to make YouTube videos, like kind of, um, kind of what you did, Tim, but like in video form. Yeah. Uh, Cause again, I'm not a strong writer. I'm, my, I'm self-diagnosed dyslexic, but I'm telling you right now, <laughs> I cannot spell, bro. literally, I don't know how I got through school. So um, I started making videos about the whole process of the night before my surgery, the day of my surgery, and then like continuing on after that, like following my like healing process. And uh, when that got shared for the first time on like a major thing or just like a website that wasn't my own, it was Give Crohn's a Slap from Me, (laughs) which is a website run by one of my friends, Matt, really good guy. But he was the first ever person to share like one of my videos. And when that happened, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. This is possible. You know, it kind of like made me think, you know, I can actually do this. Um, Give Crohn's a Slap from Me, by the way, is really cool. It's like a creative website and he collaborates with a lot of artists. He's got Crohn's himself and they make like kind of like Crohn's related like artwork. It's really, really cool. Definitely check it out. Um, But um, so when he did that, I was like, okay, cool, man. This is, this is weird because, you know, I've been in down in the dumps for five years. I didn't, I had no direction in my life. I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know what I was good at. And so when I made those videos and they got like a decent response, he shared it. And then like Crohn's and Clytus UK, the charity shared it. Uh, you know, I started to do like media appearances and little magazine stuff and, you know, do stuff with the BBC, which is like a television yeah. network here in the UK. I was like, right, this is nuts, man. Maybe this is what I like to do, you know, and through all these experiences, I'm like, okay, cool. I like talking to camera. And so I just continued to make videos and, you know, one thing led to another and I, I suppose ultimately my answer to your question is probably like remaining creative Mm -hmm. and figuring out what I actually want to do in life as part of that whole experience is probably what's kept me going and something that's remained consistent. And I was so focused on doing what I want to do creatively. You know, I worked in retail for six years Mm -hmm. whilst at the same time, you know, trying to do all these cool creative things after work or on the weekend, you know, and then ultimately led me to like get, finally working full-time you know in the creative industry with vice and i've worked with spotify i've worked with bbc you know and like if i hadn't maintained that kind of like you know desire to succeed Mm -hmm. in the creative industry i could have given up ages ago man i was stuck in retail i worked in size which is a shoe store i worked for vans i worked for all these stores you know i ended up working for a poke store as a manager selling flipping hawaiian raw fish (laughs) like that's when I was like, rah, I was like, I need to get out. Otherwise I'm going to start be- like swinging for people. And then thankfully, like I saw this job. It was like a movie, bro. I swear to God, my sister, this sounds very weird. My sister was <laughs> the head of the youth parliament of like the area, like the borough I live in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every year there's this new scheme that the London mayor has introduced called the London Borough of Culture, meaning, so London split up into lots of boroughs. Mm-hmm. 
and each borough can put a bid forward to become the London Borough of Culture for the next year. Uh, meaning if they win, they get like a certain amount of money or a grant and they can put out events throughout the whole year, like kind of celebrating the diversity cool. and the culture of that borough. Sweet. So my borough, the borough I live in, Brent, won for 2020. Mm-hmm. So we're talking, this is like the end of 2019 now, September time. <clears throat> so it's already been announced that my borough is the, the, the borough of culture for the next year. So my sister was part of the bid as the part of the youth parliament. And she told me, okay, look, as part of this year of like events we're doing, we're collaborating with Vice to make this series of podcasts with young people from our area. She's like, you should do it. I looked at her and I was like, nah, man, I'm not doing this one. Like, what the hell, man? I was like, nah, man. I read it and I was like, nah. I, was, I had a bit of an ego because I'd done everything by myself for all these years creatively. Mm-hmm. When I read the initial job role, I was like, I don't want to do that, be some person's second fiddle to someone. <laughs> I thought I was like the dog's bollocks. I was like, nah, man, I'm not being this guy's little assistant or whatever. Forget that, bro. <laughs> Dismissed it straight away. Obviously, stupid move. Um, a month went by my old music teacher who was like one of my like creative inspirations like a father figure to me he sent me the same thing because they got the advert in like a local magazine he's like look at this this is kind of cool I looked at it and I was like Hmm. a month later so we're talking two or three months down the line my sister my mum sent it to me she's like you should go for this you should go for this I looked at it and I was like Wow, this for Vice. I never actually like run registered like who it was with, right? And obviously that's a Canadian company, it's a Canadian magazine originally. So I was like, you know what? And this was like the day before the deadline. It's like a movie, bro. It was the day before the deadline, which they had already extended because they didn't find who they wanted previously. Like the deadline had passed, but they didn't find a, a suitable yeah. person. So they extended the deadline. And this was the night before I had that they cut it off again. So I was like, yo. Went home, made a little one-page CV, sent it off. Got a call from them the next day, and I was like, this is mad. <laughs> this is crazy. Got a call from them, arranged an interview. Within two weeks, I'd like quit my job, and then a week later, I'd started. It was mad, bro. It was mad. That's and like, I think it's like about being slightly humble. Because when you're in these companies, it's very easy to move around, you know? So I came in as a researcher and I left as like a producer presenter, you know, mm-hmm. like you get in there, they see what you're about. They like your vibe. I was talking to everybody. I was getting to know the people from the legal team, from the finance team, from the, you know, the editing team, from the whatever team. And then they kind of like your name spreads around a bit. And, you know, I, you know, um, I ended up like getting a lot more um, <clears throat> because of all my previous experience of like editing videos and audio and doing all this kind of stuff. I had a lot more, to me than they had actually initially anticipated or for what the role required. The role mm. required was quite admin-y, but that ended up only being like half a day of the week of work for me. And then they'd give me so much other stuff to do, which developed me so much more, you know? And now like my official title, I call myself like a podcast audio producer kind of thing. Um, so it's just mad like how it all happened. And, you know, I had to humble myself, you know, because I thought- Humble pie. Literally, like, it's like the opportunities I got from this whole experience, I is like on another level, you know, on mm. another level. The the contacts, you know, the people you meet within the industry, the events I went to, like out of this world. Like I thought like it was nuts. Like and to think that I had such a big ego, I would because I thought I deserved to be at the top of the pyramid mm-hmm. rather than like building my way up. You know, I could have hindered my own like development in my thing. So I'm glad I went for it. 
um, obviously I got it. And I, going back to the original point again, I like to digress. Cool. I think remaining creative, staying true to my cause and my passion, man. That's the coolest thing. Man. I grew up like, would I just watch Vice endlessly on my computer <laughs> when I was younger? And I was like, Vice is so cool. Like I would like be in like high school and I Google like, oh, how can you work for Vice? It was mm. the coolest news outlet. Like the so like urban, so in the magazine. Yeah, the yeah. magazine. Like ah. Uh, yeah, when I saw you work for Vice, I'm like, wow, this is like yeah. living my living my dream right now. Tim was now. pretty excited when he found out you worked for Vice. <laughs> They're cool, man. It's a cool thing. And now, obviously, um, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm looking for a broad work, so I'm in contact with their like their offices internationally. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not the best time. I, I can't really do much now, mm-hmm. but um, because of like the people I met there, you know, they always they can put a good word in for me, and I can literally just like if there's an opening, I can just like pack my bags and go wherever, man. So um, that's the something I'm looking that's an option as well for me now, you know, and yeah, man, it's, uh, it's crazy, bro. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. That's amazing though. But the thing is, it all does come down to the fact that you, you persevered, you were ambitious, you worked hard, you went for what you did, what you wanted, like you didn't want to settle for less. And you even talk about the fact that there was a little bit of ego that came into it. And that's the same, like that runs parallel with so many people's health journeys too, is that like, you know, we feel sometimes like in life, we have our own goals and we have our own ambitions of where we expect to be. And then we get obstacles like Crohn's or colitis that come in the way or like our own egos get in the way. And we can then be like, no, like I, I'm not going to accept that. Like, I'm not going to accept that I've got an illness yet. I'm, I'm just going to fight it. And I'm going to pretend like it's not there. And then one day you have to just like get to it and be like, oh shit, like that's real. And I got to, mm-hmm pay its dues to move forward. Like, I got to pay the toll to keep going. Um, yeah, literally. Yeah. Literally, that's what it is, yeah. yeah. Like you said, take care of, you know, and, like, take time to take care, you know, take care of what's up there, take care of your mental health, yeah. to give yourself the chance to, you know, have a chance at seizing those opportunities when they come. And, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, that's what you did to get your kind of dream start-off career right now, you know, just persevere. Yeah, man. The opportunity and came I'm- and you took advantage of it and – Mm. One of one of the projects you're currently working on that really excites me is the South Asian creatives. I think that is so cool. Um, and what right. what brought that on for you? Um, obviously, I'm South Asian. I'm of Kashmiri heritage. My parent, my dad was born there. Um, my mum was my mum's first generation here in London, UK. So my grandparents are from there. I was always slightly like I had conflicting views of my culture growing up in the UK, man. I didn't really appreciate it as much as I do now. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing, you know. You just grow up amongst this like massive pool of so many different people from mm-hmm. different places, and it's like in, innate to like just accept people. Mm-hmm. But as I said, I was never like so, uh, I didn't really appreciate like my heritage and like the language and my culture uh, until I got a lot older and I went back there a few times. I was like, "Raw man, this place is sick." <laughs> so you know i just grew like I, I grew really fond of it and you know see and like being a creative in the south asian community obviously it was a bit of an anomaly uh slowly slowly people are breaking that down when you know families can see you know your kids can earn some money mm-hmm. from being um in the creative industry and i think ultimately that's what it all boiled down to you know the the day long the days have gone where you know doctors and lawyers are the highest earned people man mm-hmm. like it doesn't work like that and obviously you know um, you know an immigrant coming to this country they they're moving here they're leaving everything they have they want the best for the next generation for their children and you know again it goes back to like social constructs you know doctors lawyers whatever engineers are the highest earners so that's what i want my child to be fair enough 
so when obviously breaking into the industry myself at such a late age, I was 28, uh, I wanted to, and not seeing many Asian people, like I was looking around the vice office and there weren't many Asian people there. Um, I think there was one other person. So um, I wanted, and then I was thinking to myself, why is that? Is that because people are afraid to apply because they just don't think they're good enough? But, you know, how, what is the mentality behind this whole thing? Um, why are there not more people applying for this? Like I had the mentality as well, like, rah, um, I don't know if I get this, you know, like, is there, is there a lack of confidence in self-ability as to why people are not actually going for these roles or like how, how, what's the dynamic? So I was like, right, okay, cool. I'm in this industry. I've, I've had this idea in the back of my mind for years about like having a whole South Asian thing. You know, I went to a lot of like black creative events cause they're quite popular in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then because in terms of like minority stuff, because there's this whole BAME kind of thing, which is complete BS to me personally, because I'm like, I don't want to, you know, segregate people even more than they already are. And just like, I don't want to like, you know other people just because we're of a different skin color doesn't mean we need our own little time you know so i was like cool safe i've been to all these events i don't see many brown people there i'm a brown person that is into creative this is way before vice i'm a brown person that's into like the creative industry mm-hmm. i would love to like have a hold an event like where people are just chatting like a networking thing you know other people of the same heritage or you don't have to be brown i'm saying this ain't no like (laughs) racist thing i'm just saying like focusing on like south asian creativity but welcoming obviously everybody to come along and like share their experiences and talk to people a place where people can network and meet others and maybe like come out of this show ever so slightly and really like understand that they can actually work in this industry um and not be kind of afraid of delving into that Mm -hmm. so once I got into Vice, um, I went to an event. I went to a screening of one of the documentaries that uh, Vice had made. And I met a guy there who is quite a prominent figure in like broadcasting in the UK. Mm-hmm. His name's Mim Sheikh. He's actually one of the guys that we interviewed. Uh, his name's Mim. And uh, he was with a friend, Daniel. And we both just started talking I told him my idea is something he was into as well. And boom, the ball started rolling. This was like in January last year, mm. 2019. My brother does graphic design. I was like, yo, logo, please hurry up, <laughs> make it. Um, so he made a quick logo. Um, uh, we had talked with a local venue and we booked an event uh, space for March last year. Uh, everything was going well, you know, obviously then COVID come along and just like scuppered all our plans. But um, we had sold like 150 tickets, man. It was a free event, obviously. So if you get like half of that, you should be happy. But as in like 150 people had registered to come to our event. So it shows that obviously there is a demand of some sort for something like this. And um, obviously it was super gutting, man. It was so gutting, you know, because we had put all our energy for like two months into like creating this event. Um, I had to take like a week of just like kind of like just trying to like calm my emotions because a lot of emotional energy goes into it as well. But we're like, okay, cool. This has happened. What do we do now? So we started to like book people for these online chats. We've done about five or six, not as many as we could have, but you know, for many reasons. Um, And we're just talking to people about how they got into the creative industry and just like little bits of golden nuggets of like knowledge or like insider, like creative knowledge of how they got into it, what people should do to potentially try and get into it. Um, And we've had people from the music industry, from the TV industry, fashion, modeling, 
uh, social media, like influencers, even though I hate that word. <laughs> but, um, you know, people from vast spectrum of areas that are doing really cool things, just like chatting to us, man, cracking some jokes, sharing some knowledge. Um, I ended up applying for some funding as well, and we actually won, so I got a bit of funding for that too. So once things actually start, um, we're able to hold events again, man, booking that spot up. And if you guys are ever in London, I'll put you on the guest list. (laughs) You guys are more than welcome to come down. Uh, With the funding, I don't know if I can fund your tickets, to be honest, man. I don't think I have enough, but um, your tickets here. But as in, yeah, so that was like my main goal, just to like have a space where, where I can share my experience of like, 10 years or whatever trying to get into this industry mm-hmm. and like allow the next gen to maybe do it in five years rather than 10 you know yeah. like just sharing like the knowledge i've managed to gain all, over all these years and all these people i've managed to gain um and it was like the format of we had like a little a little talk with three or four people and then we had like a main talk with a guy which is more in depth so it was like a little um panel talk you know what i'm saying posting the panel yeah, asking yeah. questions and then like a main talk and then there would be like music and like a chance to network and stuff so um yeah that was the idea behind it uh, i've literally like speaking with a guy last week about booking the next one because i really want to kind of like put some more energy and time into that mm-hmm. and try and get more people on it um but yeah it's just about sharing south asian creative cool vibe things yeah. amongst lots of people and uh, just getting people to understand they can get into the industry, you know, no matter yeah. where you're it's from. It's about creating you know? that representation, right? The representation that's, that's lacking. Inclu- inclusivity, yeah. that's the word I like to use, inclusivity, yeah. you know, man. When people see, like, people that look like them on yeah. wherever it is, yeah. on TV, on a game show, on in a football pitch, you know, playing yeah. cricket, whatever, they feel like they can do that too, right? Yeah. They so, they, um, it makes them realize that there's space for them in that area as well whatever Precisely. career it may be, whatever it may be. And that runs really parallel to what we were doing too because we were we were hosting events. The first event, we had 110 people come out. And like, you know, and then we we started working with Galley Health on this and they, they've they kind of been like helping us fund this podcast so that way we can create this and we're trying to create that representation for people. And it's so important, like the aspect of community and building community for people to know that there's a space for them whether it's a physical space when we're holding events or whether it's a space online, whether it's a space in a podcast, whether it's a space on Instagram, there's, we're just creating that environment. And I think that's the same thing that you're kind of doing with that. And that's so interesting to see. And to your point about like South Asian families, yeah, like it was always like, oh, well, Ishmael, you should be a lawyer. You should be a doctor. You should. And, and the thing that I always said to my dad too was like, I'm like, you moved to this country because you wanted me to have a better life and you made it for yourself. Therefore, now you got to let me make it for myself because I also work in a creative field and he's not like I, I own my own design firm. And he's always at first he was like, you're not going to make money doing that. You're not going to like it's not going to be successful. And now he sees it and he's like, oh, OK, so like you know what you're doing and you're making shit happen. Mm-hmm. But it's so interesting because there are the people who don't necessarily feel like there is space for them. and once you start creating those spaces in different areas, whether it's through your podcast or through our podcast and the different areas that we're cultivating, you're helping so many people feel um, represented and accepted. And I think that's the biggest thing as a, as society, one thing that, especially these days, what we look for more is acceptance and finding our own space amongst something. And, 
so I think what you're doing is pretty incredible for like the South Asian community, and that's kind of what we're trying to achieve here as well. So, yeah, I think you're Thank doing you, some really like, it, amazing things right now. And we're like, I don't know, I feel like Tim and I both looked at your Instagram and we both took away so many different things that yeah. you're working on. And yeah. it's incredible to see like, you know, like Tim's talking about a video that he saw. I didn't even see that one, but I saw something that he didn't see. And it's yeah. just like, you got yeah. some cool stuff going on. And I appreciate that, man. Sorry, Tim. But... No, I was just going to add one, one point to that. And like, like, um, yeah, like I, like I work in healthcare here and it's so interesting to see, you know, different patients, clients. Um, whatever they're going through with their physical, mental health. You can mm-hmm. only do so much for them in clinic, uh, in person when I have that little bit of time. And really mm-hmm. the things that make the biggest difference in people's lives in terms of their general health is having those supports mm-hmm. in the community. Mm-hmm. If they don't have those supports in the community, like a person who has supports, has a, has a network, has someone to lean on, feels included, their health outcomes for any of these conditions mm-hmm. they have fighting is just astronomically different than someone who doesn't. So the stuff you do, the stuff we do, the stuff you're doing, Muid, it literally, like, in a roundabout way, like, saves lives, makes quality of life. It feeds the so soul. So much better because your body yeah. your body heals when your mind heals, when you get enough sleep, when you're feeling good with your diet. Like, it's so interwebbed and connected. Mm-hmm. We need our community to grow so people feel like that they can mm-hmm. take on these challenges. And I just, it's so interesting for me seeing the results of different initiatives, how they affect people mm-hmm. literally in clinics with their health and their attitudes, their beliefs. So it's just really interesting having it come full circle and so intertwined. So it's inevitable that like helping people with their mind and feeling represented and all of that, aside from a physical aspect, is going to be equally as important. There's so much benefit in just helping people feel represented and feel part of something. Like, yeah, there's so many, there's Agreed, huge, huge healing powers in that. And I think that like Tim was saying and what you were saying, like it just, it makes your, oh, your, worth there's like so much more worth for you like self-worth that you start feeling when you're part of it and then your mind is so much better that you can actually then fight the things you need to fight when you fed your mind and your soul like that agreed bro agreed and beautifully put by both of you man um in case no one's told you in a while i appreciate what you guys are doing as well uh and i'm glad again saying it again for this interaction because now i can like follow you on Instagram, Tim, because I don't think I follow you. You know, I can see your journey. I can follow your journey. Um, Again, I'm more inclined to like be more interested in people I've actually had conversations with. Mm -hmm. I think that's just the way it is. So now we've had this conversation. I'm much more like interested in what you're doing, Jamal. You know what I'm saying? I'm much more interested in what you're doing, Tim. And, and vice versa as well. Like mm-hmm. we can, um, we can have that free conversation now. You know, there's no none of that slight awkwardness when you first DM someone. You know, so yeah, yeah. yeah you know, big up, man. I'm, I'm, yeah, I agree with you. Um, we just need to create a platform for people to feel comfortable, uh, about speaking about what they're going through. Honestly, we really appreciate the fact that you joined us today because I do think that even through your career path and your medical journey, both of them kind of ran parallel. And I think that they've intertwined multiple times and they have run a very similar path. And I think that it's important to show so many people that you can get the career that you want while having an illness. You can fight, you know, the labels that have been placed on you for whether you're stoic or not and overcome that and find yourself. There's so many things that there's so many takeaway moments from, I think this conversation for me that, I think will probably benefit so many other people as well. So we really appreciate you joining us today. And yeah, it was, yeah. It was my pleasure, man. It was yeah. my pleasure.
Galley Health is a precision medicine company on a mission to make sure nobody ever feels isolated, lost, or powerless in the face of existing or potential disease. Galley is a free, well-informed friend and personalized mobile app that helps you learn about, track, and proactively manage your inflammatory bowel disease, as well as connect with others who have Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. Download the Galley app for iOS today in the Apple Store or Android in the Google Play Store.